Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by my friend David Avis, who is the owner of Dash Hospitality Group. David has quite a name here in Atlanta, not to stroke your ego too much. Uh, actually, I don't think you have an ego, but <laughs> you come with a lot of clout for a reason. So why don't you say hello and give a little bit of backstory? Yep. How are you? Uh, yep. David Avis, uh, Dash Hospitality Group. Been in the hospitality business now 32 years plus. Uh, started uh, when I was 15 at GD Ritzy's, a hamburger hot dog place uh, based out of Columbus, Ohio that came to Atlanta. Uh, done it all, basically from dishwashing all the way up to general manager. Started with uh, Morrison's Corporation and their casual dining with LNN Seafood. Uh, it was like getting your master's. It was amazing. Great training program. Wanted to get a little more fine dining, so went and worked with a Pano at the Atlanta Fish Market during the Olympics. What a time. What a time to be there. <laughs> um, from there, I uh, worked my way up to uh, being the director of operations for Here to Serve Restaurants. Tom Catherine and I had a great run, 14 years, and then uh, worked with a company out of New York, and then back to Pano for at Buckhead Life as a COO. And I really enjoyed it. Panos an icon, and it was amazing. But it was time for me to do my own thing. So I started Dash Hospitality Group four years ago, management consulting company. We own some restaurants. We do it all. Back of the house, front of the house, cooking, you name it, systems. And I love it. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, so you spent what I would call the meat of your career at uh, the now defunct Here to Serve restaurants. So for yes. those that don't know, Here to Serve was a multi-concept hospitality company um, with... I would say iconic Atlanta brands like Twist and then its sister concept Shout, mm -hmm. uh, Noche was a staple, yes. yeah. um, and, and a few others. Uh, it was quite a reputable suite of brands. Um, how was it back then, which I, I think if I'm doing the math correctly, it ended about seven years ago? Yeah, about seven years ago, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so how was it back in that era of the 90s and 2000s managing a ship of multiple concepts that were quite different? I mean, it was amazing. I mean, we uh, when I came on board with Tom, we had uh, five restaurants, two were underperforming, backed it down to three, and then uh, we opened Twist. Uh, Twist was going to be, we're actually going to move Tom Tom over to Phipps, and then we're going to do a Goldfish, and then we said, you know what, it's a twist on Tom Tom and Goldfish, and uh we opened NBA All-Star Weekend, Janet Jackson uh, ran out the restaurant, and we're on the cover of USA Today, People Magazine, and it, it just skyrocketed from there. Uh, we had a great team. We had 1,500 employees, 14 restaurants. Um, you know, It's sad that it went on its way, but that's a whole other story. So, uh, But it was great, and it was all about the people. I mean, Tom, certified master chef, very visionary, and you know, I did the operations, and we were Amazing team, amazing team. We just we just went with it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I, I was a big fan of Noche. Uh, yeah, good place to day drink on a uh, yeah. a Saturday or Sunday uh, in Virginia oh, yeah. Highland area. Um, 
So fantastic. You know, it, it's always uh, enigmatic to me in a lot of ways, uh, you know, because we work with a lot of multi-unit brands here at Vigor. Mm -hmm. And by multi-unit, we mean like single concept with multiple mm -hmm. units that spans, you know, from small to large to even uh, enterprise level. And um, it's just, even though it's the restaurant game, to me, the hospitality management company seems absolutely insane because you're not managing the same brand. You have to manage right. like in your case, 14 brands. Mm -hmm. How do you train the staff to be able to be, um, and maybe you didn't cross pollinate, but I imagine the best case scenario would be, Hey, I have Tim over here. Who's at Noche, which is more of a kind of Spanish and, you know, uh, small plates mm -hmm. and in, you know, Mexican drinks, things like that. Oh, but today I need him over at uh, goldfish, which is completely different. So how, how's, how did that work? How do you even begin to manage that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the most important thing is the same culture and philosophy. It doesn't matter if it's a, you know, steakhouse like prime or, you know, casual place like Noche. It was in, it was, Funny. I, I mean, was, I used to hit pretty much every restaurant every day and literally I'd wear a suit and I'd change into shorts and I'd, you know, you know, you just, but it's the same like attitude. And I think that's what really people, it resonated with everybody. Like we all, our philosophy, the answer is yes. What's the question? And you have to give the guests what they take. And everybody knew it was a here to serve restaurant. It didn't matter which, you know, when you walked in the four walls, it was the same energy, um, same philosophy. And just, mm -hmm. just, it's that can do attitude. I think everybody Everybody was humble about things and just we were so appreciative about the guests coming in. I think that's really what it trickled down to, you know, every employee that we had. So, yeah. So getting more nuanced, um, you know, like I think one of the things that makes us servers or uh, service staff, especially bartenders, mm -hmm. uh, not just good enough, but notably remarkably great mm -hmm. is the uh, acute understanding of the menu and the procedures. And that seems like it'd be quite difficult if you take someone from one concept to something completely different. How did you manage that? How did you get that training in place? I mean, that it was a big thing. I mean, I think the most important thing, and Tom was a certified master chef, but he, you know, he used to always get grief from some of the food writers because, you know, why isn't he doing a fine dining restaurant like Gunther and all that? But it wasn't about him. It was about the, our guests and what the guests want. And I think, that's the biggest thing that we learned is we want approachable. We want people to mm -hmm. feel like they're getting the quality, which we never sacrificed. But most importantly, when it comes to the bartenders and all that, the hospitality, that, that was the most important thing. We wanted to create cheers. It didn't matter which restaurant it was. We wanted people to feel like this is their spot and they're going to come. They're going to get the same drink consistently. And, you know, with a smile, with a smile, that's what we, the biggest thing was just, you know, back to the hospitality factor of it. Yeah. Even the name itself here to serve, um, mm -hmm. you know, I always laugh about replacing the, the, the yeah. word two with the number two, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in brands in general, but that's, uh, it definitely came through. Um, and it wasn't a place that I think people would run around lauding the food a la a five-star or a Michelin starred restaurant, but that wasn't what it was about. I think that's why it attracted so many people. It was very approachable. It was yeah. very good. Um, I think that's, you know, and so you know, back to the training in, part, in the industry just, right we now, we want to make sure our staff knew what they were talking about when it came to wine, when it came to the, you know, beverage program, the food, but you know what bottom line was we're having fun. We always said, let's have fun dining. That's what we people want is when they get away, we want them to feel like they're on vacation. Yeah. Now more than ever. Right. I mean, after oh, yeah. being trapped in and it's like, gosh, mm -hmm. just give me some connectivity. Oh yes. Um, For sure. you know, I was at a five church last night with, mm -hmm. um, with a friend, but you know, we had, I'm in on the show and I was just talking to the manager and it's like, you know, they're, they're beyond pre pandemic numbers right now, which is mm -hmm. fantastic. 
So we, we, we're seeing it. People want the connectivity, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if you keep your finger on the pulse of quick serve or fast casual restaurants, but so many of these larger brands are slingshotting their operational model away from some of the norms to highly tech integrated and then drive throughs. Do you think that might be an overcorrection? Well, I, I don't think it's an overcorrection because I think you have to use technology to stay one step ahead with everything. But I still think that people connection is very important. I think like what Chick-fil-A has done about putting somebody out there at the drive-thru, you still have to have that personal touch. And, you know, we have a lot of clients that are quick service, um, you know, and they literally, that's what we teach them. I mean, I hate to say it, the welcome to Moe's, you, you mm-hmm. always have to have that welcome to Moe's philosophy. Because people don't want to talk to a robot. They want to talk to a human. But to do the transaction and all that, and even cooking, you have to use technology to stay a step ahead. Yeah, I see it as a really good opportunity for exactly that. And this is some of the things that we've consulted with our clients about, which is the technology should be there to replace the menial tasks that you quite literally don't need a human to do anymore. Mm -hmm. We're fully capable of ordering ourselves. You know, we check ourselves out at grocery store stores. Um, we order ahead now, you know, even my mom's ordering ahead, things like that. But what we do need is that touch and we need that true customer service. So if you think of it the right way, the technology actually empowers that, you know, it does. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, right now training, just, you know, the staffing levels and all that. So, you know, if you can get somebody or a computer screen that somebody has some education, Hey, here's some wine or whatever, then it's going to help the cause where you still have to have that person who's, you know, can hand sell and all that, but you have to, you got to use the tools, got to use tools. That's right. So, um, you know, with that, it's pretty hard for some of these single unit or small multi units to get those tools. They are an investment. Um, you know, how, how have you tackled that in your consulting with your clients, um, how have you made the case for making an investment and how, how's it gone for you? Uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, doing the, you know, it, each it's interesting. All our clients are so different and you're right. And what they have when it comes to the tools, but a lot of them don't know because they've just, honestly, for the last two and a half years, they've just been hanging on. That's right. So I think, so I think it's just hard for them to see like the light at the end of the tunnel. So if we can show them, Hey, here's the investment, whether it be a handheld for a POS or you know, or a different piece of equipment in the kitchen, you, we, I hate to say we got to make it dummy proof, but that's what you got to do. You got to make it dummy proof these days. And some of this stuff will help, um, do that stuff. Yeah. And so I think with that, you know, we've already mentioned a couple issues that technology has helped with, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the challenges in the labor industry, which are, are very well known. I think even by the, the common, everyday person at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot more that people don't see that probably aren't as interesting, like supply chain and things like that. So what's always curious to me is speaking to, uh, I'm going to use the V word. So apologies, but a veteran of the industry. Um, I've seen a lot of veterans who learned things that worked Mm-hmm. And then that's just what they replicate and have been doing so for years. So, uh, one case in particular, a guy who was at a very large diner brand just loves putting vinyl on the walls as a refresh. It's dumpy, it's cheap. Um, but that's what works. And so that's what we're going to do, you know, and h- how do you keep yourself nimble, adept on top of what's happening? And how do you continue to create new approaches to problems, even though you may have had a win in the past, how do you keep yourself humble enough to realize that you have to keep on learning? 
I, you know, that every day I'm learning something new. I, you know, I don't know everything. No one knows everything, but it's about surrounding yourself with people who have knowledge. I think that's the thing is like, you can't say I, it's my way or the highway. You can't do that. You have to listen. And I think more importantly, just everybody brings something to the table. And that's what I've been lucky about the dash team. We have somebody who has the knowledge and, and let them take the lead. I mean, I would say trust, but verify Steve Alterman from horse trash girl. He taught me that. And I think that's, one thing is you have to be willing to adapt. Um, we have a lot of clients who are like, oh, this is how I've always done it. And I'm gonna tell and I tell them, I said, you have to think about two, five, ten years from now. Don't think about what you did two, five, ten years ago. Um, and you just have to, you know, it's sitting down and letting them learn differently. These these staff, you, you can't give them a manual that has, you know, 50 pages. They're not gonna read that <laughs> anymore. You know, that you gotta do something that's quick and right on their phone and how you communicate. You know, they, you know, these kids, they don't check emails, you know, but if you send them a text, they'll probably check it or, you know, something on social media. Um, so it's, it's just different. It's different. Yeah. And there's a number of systems that I think are trying to, trying to tackle those challenges specifically, obviously, uh, seven shifts have done a pretty good job from what I understand. Um, restaurant 365 is doing a lot of good work, uh, in some of those things. Um, and I think what's, what's, what's interesting is, for a long time, if you talked about video work, for instance, like, so rather than doing the manual, you should have videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a very large investment. Um, but now we have fantastic cameras in our hands yes, uh, with a setup and just a, a small little light like I use for this show. You can actually produce something really good um, that people mm-hmm. will absorb. Um, it shows the work happening. It's better than reading. You still have the ability to show the writing. So if someone does want to read as a brush up, cause they learn that way, it's there. Um, has there been a, a kind of a go-to system in that world that you prefer or that you've been really impressed with? Well, you know, the, like you said, I mean, I think a lot is really making it personal. Um, you know, when you have somebody who can bring a camera in and, and it is, it's, it's really, it's the peer, I think, peer to peer. I think they really appreciate that when you're, you know, you're showing, Hey, here's a video of somebody, you know, then some like, you know, corporate Mm. video of this is how it is. I I think people, Oh, that's, that's a, you know, Mike or whatever, who's, you know, who do, who's doing this video. Um, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just think you got to make things personal. Got to make them personal. And, and I think people, when you get them out of their element, say, Hey, you're going to be in this video or you're going to, you're going to do lineup today. They like perk up a little bit. They get nervous at first, but they perk up. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, there's a video that circulates on the uh, Instagram world, uh, of one of those corporate videos of a guy It looks like it's kind of at a golden corral or Ponderosa. <laughs> and it's like how to make small talk. It's like, Hey, how about that game last night? And it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, yeah, it's so, wonderful. So bad. I know. So bad. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, no, that's a good right. example. Of there's what lots of those out there. Do. Lots of those um, there. So what? Yeah. And I, I like the idea of having a peer there, somebody that they know. I mean, it's kind of difficult when there is a lot of churn, but what have you found, if anything, are, are good ways beyond mo- like compensation, monetary compensation? Are there things that I, I think leaders maybe are missing in retaining their, their star employees? I think the most important thing is, you know, is recognition. Yeah, they want the money, but like just thanking them. Like, hey, mm-hmm. even in the middle of the shift, great job. Great job with that table. It's like real time. Don't wait till the end of the shift. Don't send an email. Like people love that. But, you know, one thing that I've noticed lately is also like take a picture of them and post on social media. Hey, this is our star employee of the day. 
and people they're like oh look you know and then people yeah. we love we love meredith like our chef uh, like at, at barn i mean it's like you know it's just like recognize them and then you see people on social media we love meredith she's the best blah 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 you know and i think it's just thanking them because they're i mean they're getting beat up i mean that's right beat up so I, I Especially during the last two years, right? I mean, yes. hang, hanging on is being, it's a very nice phrase. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the struggle was very r- real and now it's a different struggle um, mm-hmm. as, as we kind of covered a little bit. But I, I love the idea of, of getting a face on social media. I think for the longest time, a lot of leaders just relied on the food porn because that's what got traction Yes, and it was mm-hmm. pretty quick. And while it's important to show the food, it, it really is the people. It's the people that people want to connect with, you know? And if you're not showing that or you're using models, for instance, on mm-hmm. social specifically, it's it's not going to go as far. It just really yeah. isn't. Um, we've also realized that, uh, and I apologize to my photographer friends out there who I love and adore, of course, but on social media, these highly styled, perfect photos just get zero traction. It's just not good. Um, You need real. People want to see the realness. They want to see the ooey gooey dripping awesomeness of whatever you're eating. And um, while I think there's a time and place for those, that perfect styling, it just doesn't have the power on social that some may think. Um, Now I do know that in dash, you have a social media strategist. Uh, How have you employed that person effectively for some of the clients? And and what does a a typical, um, a, a typical engagement look like? Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. So each one needs something a little bit different. Um, we've we've used a, you know a couple of different marketing companies. I'm very gung ho on one of them these days. Via Fiala, they uh, um, Valerie and Garrett. I'm telling you, they they're doing awesome. And it, it is. And each some everybody needs something different. It's awareness. Um, you know, some are more national brands, but more it's about that local flavor. Um, it's you know, we talk about the uh, employees, but a lot has to do with the guests also. When you take a picture of the guests, thank you for celebrating this and all that. They they love that also. Um, so it's got to be the combo of everything. But it's, you know, what what is the mission and why why you're doing that social media to post or just to post for a reason? Like here's an event coming up. Um, you know, we just had a big event at the Village, Green Eggs and Kegs. And I mean, it was like, and it was all based on social media and table tents. And and it was funny. It was like talking to people, oh, I didn't know about it. I'm like, well, follow us on social media, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. And then next, you know, you see like, you know, just going up and up and, and, and it is, you can only, you know, the old print ads and all that, you know, that only works so well. So I think it's just communication through a lot through, you know, digital. Yeah. There, there's a lot of misconceptions about, um, marketing in general, I think, um, or I I would say (laughs) expectations that are way off. Um, Mm -hmm. so you mentioned print ads and things like that. And the joke that I make with some leaders is like, so you're saying McDonald's is wrong because they do TV and they're like, well, I'm like, exactly. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. the the name of the game is still reach and frequency. Mm -hmm. Social media is just a way to reach again and in a better way in a preferred format. Whereas TV was watched every night by the, the atomic family, as it were, um, you know, we're, we're kind of past that as everyone knows we're on our phones more than ever. Um, I saw numbers yesterday, 98% of, uh, Gen Z is on their phone and it doesn't go down very much And the boomer generation is making the biggest leaps and bounds. They, you know, whereas a couple years ago they were around the 30% now they're at like 60 are on their smartphones. This is pretty amazing stuff. Now they may not be as intently on social. (laughs) But uh, they, they are on it. And so I think it's about but understanding I think, where the people I think one are of the and what kind of content also they want to consume. 
Yeah. I think a big thing, though, is 100% table visitation for that front of the house manager. They're the ones who are throwing the party. And that's when people, like you said earlier about making that connection, that's the biggest thing is connecting with those with those guests because they're the ones who are going to spread the gospel. Hey, what's going on? They're the ones who are marketing. That's your marketing company is your guest. Yeah. What what are in your, in your opinion? What what are some of the hallmarks of a bad general manager, the the MC of the party, as it were, like, like you just said? What are some things that you've seen firsthand where you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, uh, being in the office, number one. I mean, it's interesting as we build restaurants. I don't build offices anymore. I, bu- I put them in a closet because there's no you don't need to be in an office anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're on your laptop, so I think that's number one. Um, Number two is, you know, are, are they are they running the shift or is the shift running them? Um, you know, a lot of times they're the ones who are you know, not directing traffic. They're running the food. Yeah. And you want, we definitely roll up our sleeves and want to get in there. But you just you know, you're you're the one who's you're the coach. And I think you got to coach, but you got to you know, you have to see it from the guest standpoint. A lot of times I, I, I tell my GMs all the time, walk out to the parking lot and walk in. What do you see? Don't. You know, it's more than just the four walls. It's the whole experience from when they get out of the car um, to when they walk in, in, in the four walls. So, um, but it's just personality. I mean, you want to, when you're a guest, you want to say that person is the manager. Like you want right. to know that, that person's in charge. Yeah. And it's not always just what they wear too. Like you had mentioned earlier, yeah. the suit and hopping into shorts and things like that. But um, knowing that they're taken care of, I think is still a really big thing. E- even at a fast casual scenario. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they want to know that you care that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you really shouldn't even have uh, an, an interior except just to grab the food and get out. Um, you yeah. know, because you're just slinging think, food you know, at that point. I, I mean, I always tell difficult. about a hostess. Yeah. Like the host, I never like, I hate there's a host stand because like, it's like that barrier. Same thing with a bartender. Um, we had a great bartender at Twist, Wayne. And if he didn't know, if he never met you before, he would walk around the bar and shake your hand. He wouldn't reach over the bar. And mm. I think that was always that to me, that was always the wow factor. I'm like, that's amazing. And same thing with a host. I always, always want to put a host at the, you know, at the front door. Don't wait for them to walk in. We have to greet them before they greet us. And that, mm-hmm. that's a big thing for me is opening that door. Hey, welcome in. You know, people love that, but because most people don't, where do I go? What's the next step? So I think that's important. Yeah. Part of a great experience is, uh, and what we say here is reducing or re- eliminating the anxiety. And I don't think a lot of people quite get it. Um, especially restaurant leaders, like, like you just mentioned, that is an anxiety point. When you walk into a place and you're like, I don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. You could shirk it off and say, Oh, it's not that big of a deal, but that adds up. And the more anxiety moments you have, the worse the experience. And yep. if you have a GM who's, you know, ha- has him or herself, in, in the closet as it were, and is in there crunching numbers and not really doing what they need to do when they're on the floor. It just turns into a mess that, like you said, I think that's what you mean by the shift running them. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, as the GM, I was like the GM working the door, meaning like that's the initial greet so they can time it throughout the whole thing. We call it the figure eight. So start at the front door, but then circulate through expo and you're coming back. So you're circling through the restaurant and through the kitchen. So, you know, all, all that's going on, but it's that initial greet. Yeah. You have a hostess, but do they care as much as the manager? Probably not. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a first time job usually. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've seen some like concierge level hosts and hostesses before, oh, yeah. but you know, um, that's probably I, not happening at the Panera bread. Um, right. and, and people think that the host is like, Oh, that's just a little high school person, whatever. That's the most important person in the restaurant besides the dishwasher. The dishwasher is the most important person, but that's uh, right. 
but uh, yeah, the host is one who controls the whole flow. So that to me, that's where it all starts. Yeah. They're almost, um, you know, the, the right, they're almost like assistant manager in a lot of ways with their duties and how much power they have. And they either Um, put you in the weeds or you know, control all the money. So, so shifting gears out of the restaurant industry a little bit, there there was something that struck me about your CV and that is your involvement with the uh, Atlanta community food bank. And what struck me is I don't really know if younger generations fully understand the power that they have and that what food banks really bring to the community and to the underserved people in every community. And so could, could you set some, like shed some light on the power of a good food bank program and why it matters? It's a, yeah, it's amazing. I, I mean, God, I've been involved with them now 20, I have to think about this about 24 years. And I, same thing when uh, Doug Foley said, oh, I want to get you involved with the Atlanta community food bank. I'm like, what am I going to a grocery store? What am I doing? And, uh, I'll never forget Janice and Bill Bowling when I met with them first. And it was just, it was all inspiring just seeing what they do and how many different events they do and just what, you know, the churches and the schools and everything. I mean, just how many people don't have food to eat and just the community outreach, but also the corporate, you know, how they get involved. And that's the thing. They subsidize so much different, you know, meals that, that people wouldn't be able to eat. And it's not just like in town. I mean, there are so many different places throughout Georgia that they really, you know, helped out with. And uh, it is, I mean, just the passion, Kyle, who's the CEO now, um, it's just very passionate how it's grown. I mean, since I've been involved now, they're in their third building and it's just grown every year. And it's, just, and I hate to say it, it's sad to say, but it, it, it you know, there was a need. Yeah. So, um, explain the model to me. Uh, so they have the events and everything that's fantastic, Mm -hmm. especially fundraising. I think that makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. but but is it literally almost like a a grocery store or is it strictly, uh, restocking pantries, uh, at, at other places where they serve, let's say homeless and underserved? What, what does that look like? Yeah, you're not, you're not going to, um, okay. So you're just, you're not coming off the street and going to the food bank, getting food. It's like I said, it's for different, um, partners that they have. Like I said, it could be some schools, it could be churches, it could be homeless shelters. Um, you know, so basically food drives, but also Publix, Kroger, they're, you know, all those big grocery stores that, you know, that they're donating food to the cause on that. And then it's wild. I mean, you see that when people are loading up, they load up in the back of their truck, um, different things. The food bank does a lot of deliveries to these places. And then, it's in the community. Then you're going to your local church or school or whatever and, and getting these meals to subsidize. So, yeah, I love that. So it's basically subsidizing the meals for the people that can't afford it at, at these yes. places. Um, and that's, so that's, it's so important. Now, are there benchmarks? Uh, I presume there are benchmarks that you, or goals that you are trying to reach. What are some of the most impressive ones? Um, what I'm really trying to do is I want to get people excited about the food banks yeah. in their communities. Well, I think what's also awesome is the different things they do. Like they do school supplies for teachers. They do community gardens. Um, there's so many different things that they get involved with. Um, and that's what I think is, is, is amazing to see um, just the people and just the smiles and all that stuff. And the outreach is, is just tremendous what they do. I love that. Yeah. I can't wait to share uh, the links in the show notes because I really would love people to get in touch with the food bank and, and see how they can help. I think that's a very low hanging fruit way to do some really good, positive things for the community around you. We've done uh, some amazing things like um, our companies in the past have done food sorting. So all this foods and barrels and we're the ones who sort, okay, it's out of date, this and that is the amazing team building 
And it's great. And now that the food bank finally opened back up, you know, th- it is a great way to see just, you know, hey, how can you can get involved with the community. So that's awesome. So um turn your gears back to Dash. I, I would love to hear more. So this is this is the commercial, man. Feel free to drop the truth <laughs> on what Dash does, yeah. why it's awesome, and and uh maybe a little bit about how the journey's been over the last four years. God, I mean, insane. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was working with Buckhead Life and then, you know, I, and it was great. And Nico, Pano, all of them were awesome. Um, but people started calling and saying, David, can you help me with this? Help me with that. And my wife, Julie, she's like, time for you to start your own company. So, uh, I took the leap and, uh, it was just me at first. And, um, you know, I worked with, uh, Zesto, then Ray, um, with uh, Ray Schoenbaum and, uh, and, and it was just like all of a sudden just people started calling and calling. It was just me. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I'm working 24 seven. And so I reached out to Brett Crowder, who was my right hand at, uh, at, uh, here to serve one of our area directors. And I said, Hey Brett, I want to, I want to grow this company. And, um, so we, he said, come on, let's do it. And then we started taking out more clients. And, uh, then Phil Hanley came on board and, uh, Phil was my left hand at, uh, at here to serve. The amazing thing is we do pretty much you name it when it comes to food and beverage from front of the house to culinary chef Nick Lay, he's our culinary director. Um, and we do startup come fix my problems, uh, anywhere from, we have resorts, senior living, slutty vegan, uh, mm. it, like our every day is something different. I mean, and our clients vary so much and, uh, and you know, and we're just trying to help them grow. I mean, like I said, every one of our clients has been a referral. We, we haven't had to solicit one client and that's makes me feel great. And what's awesome is people, Hey, call David. He'll, you know, he'll help you. He'll get you fixed. And it's not about us at all. It's always about the client and I just want them to win. And, um, we've grown the company and it's been four years and, you know, right when, you know, COVID hit, I'm like, Oh my God. And my wife, uh, owns a batter cookie dough. And so I literally for a little while there, I'm like, Oh my God, I was sitting there scooping cookie dough. <laughs> and we got some uh, we got some senior living clients and senior living still had to go through COVID. So it really brought us, you know, okay, we can do some other things also. And that was that was a great little thing. So but, you know, halfway through COVID, just it just started going up, 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 and then I'm not complaining. Things are great. Things are great. Yeah. You're you're soaring. <laughs> You're soaring high. I love it. Yeah. Um, and of course, we'll have links to the website so people can kind of dive Thank in and you. see a little bit yeah. more, um, as well as the social media pages. And and I think uh, we're at probably the most important question of this entire discussion, which is, <laughs> if you had one final meal on this plane of existence, where and or what would you eat and why? Can I tell you, it'd be a, it'd be a, a roving uh, meal up and down Buford Highway. Um, I, 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 seriously, I love, I mean, I love Asian food. I love, I love everything on Buford highway. You know what I love? Because it's funny. Like I'm not a huge steak eater. So like to me, go eat like a, like at a steakhouse. Yeah. I like it, but I like more about going to these hole in the wall places and just eating like, okay, here's mom and dad. They're cooking in the back and it's just great quality. And, uh, that, that, that's my most important thing. I just love that. Love that. So Buford highway, just up and down the street. I love it. Yeah. For, for those that don't know, um, yeah. B- Buford highway is essentially just a long stretch of road in Atlanta city, uh, you know, within, within the perimeter that is just Chinese food, Korean food, Indian mm-hmm. food, Mexican food. It is like it, you basically anything that you want to find is going to be there. 
Um, so it's a pretty amazing spot. I, I love that answer. It's truly, yeah. truly of Atlanta, and that's exactly why I had you on the show. I love it. David, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing your insights, and uh, I, I just cannot wait to continue, uh, continue to see this journey unfold for you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate having me on. It was awesome. If you love what we've served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.